Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators. They're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them and they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully, and today we have Colleen Kelly with us. Colleen is a creator and founder of Kids Chemical Solutions. She's a chemistry instructor at the University of Arizona, and part of her mission is to capture early eager learners with chemistry comics, and it's Fabulous. So we will be linking your website in the show notes, um, and I'm sure you'll be sharing lots about it as we go through this interview, but it's really, really cool. I'm so excited to talk about this today. So thanks, Colleen. Yeah, thank you, Jackie. It's great to be here. So my first question for you is what inspired you to get into education and particularly um, chemistry? Yeah, I've reflected on that question for a while now. I, I think there were some events that were um, in, in my subconscious, and, and as early as high school, um, all of my friends would give me their chemistry homework to do. So, <laughs> and I would I would do it gladly, and then teach them. So, um, I was a swimmer, and I remember long trips um, to away swim meets where I pretty much was doing chemistry homework for everybody on the bus, and um, just sharing ideas and trying to teach them, and realizing that I liked explaining it to my friends. Um, and then I went into research and, you know, fast forward my first academic position, um, I hadn't really considered teaching. And so they throw you into it in higher education. You're, you're an assistant professor and all of a sudden you're in front of 200 students teaching organic chemistry and haven't really taught. And <laughs> it's a little trial by fire. And um, I just realized first I was captivated by how I could transmit this information to them so that it was comprehensible. And then I just love students. And so that was like a, a magic combination between trying to figure out how to best convey the information and share it so they would embrace it and comprehend it. And then just sharing their joy in life in general. Oh, I love that. Uh, chemistry was the most difficult class that I took <laughs> in high school. So kudos to you for being able to uh, not only understand it, but break it down for your friends and now students. Um, I think it is something we'll talk about. Definitely goes back to the teacher, right? And how you're able yeah. to explain the content. And, you know, in my situation, I never was, science was always difficult for me, but I had a fabulous biology teacher and physics teacher. And so with meeting with them and, and just hard work, like hard work. I did fairly well, but chemistry, I just... I just didn't have that connection with my teacher. I, I feel like I'm probably a teacher that was like on his way out and um, it's really, really difficult. So I love the work you're doing because, you know, especially as we get into talking about little kids, like you really break it down in a way that's very exploratory, very fun um, storytelling, which I think can make it more digestible than just, mm -hmm. you know, learn, you know, learning it for the first time when I think it was in 10th grade. Um, was just very challenging. So um, I, again, kudos to you for doing that. Uh, what were some of your early like teaching experiences like? 
Well, I think I just didn't realize that there would be people out there that didn't like chemistry. You know, from the time I was a freshman in college to finishing my PhD and my postdoc, I was surrounded by people who loved chemistry as much as, as I did. Um, so when I walked into a classroom with um, primarily pre students who were pre-med, um, I thought this is going to be awesome. I'm just going to like, I'm going to be with 200 of people that are just going to love this. And, you know, they kind of look at me like I'm a female Darth Vader, thwarting them from their dreams of ever becoming a doctor. And, and you know, so it was an epiphany to realize that um, I was going to have to do a lot of work to connect with these students. So the first year was really about exploring, you know, what happened to these students that they don't love this and how can I take them from where they are and get them to where they need to be? Yeah. And so that kind of goes into the work that you've been doing with um, this program with Kids Solutions. So can you talk a little bit about how you came to creating um, this type of way of teaching chemistry, particularly to younger kids, but then I'm sure like a lot of that could help with, you know, some of the students you work with as well. Yeah, yeah, the, the stories were a result of um, pure desperation to connect with students. And I remember one class where I was trying to teach a, a topic and I had a young baby at home. And so there was a lot of Winnie the Pooh in my house at the time. And I just said, well, you know, let's think about flooring like Piglet. He's little and he's scared and he likes to hold on to carbon really tight. And then let's think about bromine like Winnie the Pooh, who's kind of bigger and fluffier and can kind of walk away and wander and get lost. And the students were like, that's genius. And they they could remember these things. So I just started, I mean, the, my students know that I watched a lot of Shrek because Shrek was coming up a lot in class. So whatever I could grab onto from any kind of um, modern day story and integrate it into my own story, I would. And then from there, I just started creating my own stories and they were sticking and developing my own characters. Um, so that was the evolution of that. And um, years later, students would come back and tell me how much they remember my stories, how much they liked them. And they were very encouraging of me to publish them. So I thought, hmm, maybe I will try and publish these. Yeah. And the program that you have, it's you go into like elementary school. So you're teaching chemistry to young students, right? Yeah. So I, yeah. I took those stories and there was a, a five-year development process and they were originally intended. Um, these comic books were originally intended for an older group. But once I realized fourth graders were just doing great with them, I thought, well, Let's see. So I just finished a 10-week study with um, fourth and fifth graders in Arizona, where I went into class every day. And we went through the comic books. And towards the end, they were able to write formulas for chemical compounds, mm -hmm. balanced chemical equations, and also just have a blast playing atomic bingo, periodic table twister. There's a card game that's kind of like poker that's called Ionic Booze <laughs> that we play. So there's a lot of play, but there's a ton of learning. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine learning chemistry in fourth grade, but the way that you just described it, like it sounds like so much fun and kind of going back to just even why I started this podcast, but even how I teach, you know, history and psychology, I think stories are so captivating that when you can tell a story, students at any age can really learn from that and they retain it. 
because they remember that story. They remember the characters that you created or about real people. So like, again, teaching history, it's kind of storytelling is kind of part of it, but you can teach it in a very dry way where it's just about facts and dates and names of people. Or if you incorporate it into sharing real people's stories, there's this great organization out of New York called StoryCorps. And I'll share these stories about different groups of people. Some of them have to do with the time period we're studying. And the students really gravitate towards that because again, it's like you're connecting to them as a human and not just something that's so abstract. Yeah. So what has been kind of your takeaway or feedback from these fourth graders um, with coming into their classroom and teaching them in this way? I think the best thing, Jackie, is, is how much they actually love the stories when they have a 40 minute class. And so um, some classes, they're just reading, not just, but they're reading the comic books and there's a reading guide. So they're filling out some questions that make them reflect upon what they just read. And I, I think what is just so great to watch is first of all, they love to share the book and each pick a character or a couple characters. You know, someone would be like, I'll be Poppy and Granny Eve, you'd be Ray and Thomas Edison. And they'll read aloud to each other, which is really magical. Um, and I like to hear that because then I can hear what words they're stumbling over. And it's just this kind of busy classroom. But when the class is done, they don't want to stop. And they mm. either they're real teachers in the room. Um, <clears throat> Mr. Roberts, one more page. And they're like, Dr. Kelly said you have to go. I'm like, you guys, well, I'll be here tomorrow. We'll finish this story tomorrow. But so that cliffhangerness that the mm. all the comic books are mysteries. So there is that cliffhanger and this discovery and, you know, when they discover something like, oh, MC's Marie Curie. I'm like, yeah. And they just, so um, aside from the chemistry that they're learning, just the enjoyment of reading. And um, one thing I've done is I've made the comic books intentionally only in print. They're not digital um, to decrease screen time, but also to allow for cuddling up in a corner with three or four of them are laying down with a flat comic book, mm-hmm. um, that kind of um, social emotional learning where they're sharing is mm-hmm. really powerful in the classroom. And I think um, students who might have a long commute to school could take it on the bus with them without having screen time. Mm-hmm. If they don't have Wi-Fi, they have access to the materials. So um, I, I find that the print material is very good for accessibility, flexibility, sharing, and all of that. So it's been super fun for me to learn that. I totally agree. I think just being able to read more print is important because we're just on screens all the time. (laughs) And I I share with my students when I was in grad school, I did the whole, I'm going to get all of my textbooks on the Kindle and I'm going to type all of my notes on my laptop. And I did that for like a week or two. And I'm like, I I can't learn like this. (laughs) I can't. I can't do it. Um, I need the book. I need to put my post-its in it. And I, I need to take handwritten notes and do my shorthand and, and, you know, make connections. And it's just such a better way to learn. So I like going back to, you know, hard copy and, you know, doing things with your hands and then coming together. So kind of leading into, I always have this next question um, and you're talking about social emotional learning. So maybe that kind of comes into this um, sharing of the pandemic. So how is teaching in the pandemic or you know, the work you've been doing either as, you know, a professor or with these kids uh, during that time? Well, I think I'm going to focus on the kids. Um, I I reached out to the parents and sent them the comic books in the mail and um, asked the parents to be hands off and just see if they would pick them up. 
and read them. And when they did, then we would set up a Zoom. So the the benefit of the pandemic and that format was that I was able to Zoom one-on-one -on -one with several students mm -hmm. and, and record the Zooms with, with permission, of course. Um, so I could analyze their fluency, were they fluent in chemical concepts? I could analyze the conversation. Um, we could share games together. So th those recordings uh, early in the development of the of the comic books were really precious to me. Yeah. So that was that was a bright side to it. Um, the downside, obviously, is uh, my my other profession in teaching chemistry at the University of Arizona was flipping labs online, which I can't even mm. talk about because it was so traumatic. Chemistry <laughs> mm. <laughs> labs are, are not meant to be done online. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, and even like a, a virtual lab is never going to be like anything that you're actually doing <laughs> with your hands. I can't imagine it. So yeah, we don't yeah, have to awful. go into that. But with the, the little kids, it was better. Um, yeah. Were you like hired by the school to go into these classrooms and work with the kids? So then when it was, virtual and you said you're working one-on-one -on -one. was it still through the school or were like parents kind of coming to you and kind oh of yeah no this is all this is all research so uh there, there's been uh I have not been hired by anyone yet these okay. are just my I'm just volunteering because I really want to understand the efficacy mm. of the comic books and reaching okay. this age group and what they can learn so in the spirit of research <clears throat> Um, I just asked parents, you know, if your kids are at home, would you want to try this? And, you know, quite a few of them said yes. And then with the school, the same thing um, It's a friend of mine who's the fourth and fifth grade teacher at the school. And I just said, can I come into your classroom for science for 10 weeks? <laughs> yeah. And he said, yes. That's great. <laughs> so you're using, the, you're using these like your own labs, you know, and doing yep, this exactly. kind of work. And the goal is then hopefully to be able to launch it as like a program that maybe you can then give to schools to like maybe use as like professional development or see them in the classroom. Yes, I'd love to see them in the classroom. And, you know, that'll be um, that's the the main goal right now. We're looking at homeschool audiences are, are early adopters because mm -hmm. they can they can just grab them and go because they're ready to go like in that format and um, private independent schools, um, schools that have a little less barrier to entry for curriculum um, mm -hmm. will probably be where I start. Yeah. And when we talked about this before, you really went to a place of this type of teaching, particularly something so complicated, but starting at a young age. And then if it is something that could be potentially in all schools, um, that it kind of equals the playing field, right? Because you said not everyone yes. necessarily has that kind of access to learning science like difficult concepts and having support or having tutors or having you know depending on the teachers they have in their school so you're getting kind of um this like inequitable kind of group of people right that can go into right. like medicine so I don't know if you wanted to speak a little bit about that yeah yeah I feel very strongly about this um what I see now is we have in 2022, we have an 80% failure rate for underrepresented students in chemistry after two years, which means they're no longer eligible to um, be in majors that would allow them to go on to medical school or become a dentist or physical therapist, pharmacist, engineers, a lot of the higher paying jobs. And so when I did this analysis, I realized that um, we're thwarting these students from millions of dollars of income over a lifetime. And when you realize that 80% of underrepresented students are being held or not able to, to move on, 
I think it's fundamentally an issue of civil rights. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really just can't see how we're, we're just sitting here saying, oh, well, <laughs> a lot of people fail chemistry. But because it's a required course for these professions, um, if it weren't required, then, you know, you can skirt around it, but it's not. It's required for these professions. And I'm not in charge of whether that changes or not. But what I can control is is helping these students to, to uh, earn, you know, A's in this course. So my research, real, when I realized that we were pouring a lot of money and resources and a lot of um, invested instructors, professors, people really care about this issue, Jackie. I, I don't want to imply that no one cares. Everybody cares about it. But what we're doing is we're having tutors um, and extra resources for college kids when that's it's too late. Mm -hmm. We need we need to get them started. It would be like teaching a college student to read at 20 and mm -hmm. expecting them to go to medical school. We have mm -hmm. to we have to teach them these chemical symbols when their brains have the plasticity to understand abstract concepts that are invisible. And that's fourth, fifth grade area. So if we do that through my platform, we'll have students who have had robust chemistry so that when they get to college, they've had those years to continue to master chemistry if they want to, and then they'll be ready. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And this kind of always, we're kind of talking about the last part about education reform, but I do believe that we need to bring these types of you know, subject matter to the elementary schools, just like you're seeing more of a launch of like uh, foreign language in the elementary yep. school because their brains are developing so rapidly and they're able to hold on to that information and build those neural connections. That's like, why are we waiting until they're 15, 16 years old? Or sometimes if they didn't really get the support they needed, you know, by the time they get to college. And that's a great analogy. Like teaching someone to read at 20 would be very, very difficult. So it's like, if you're learning chemistry for the first time and you're a young adult, it's not going to be easy at all. Um, and I think that bringing this into the conversation of that this is really a civil rights issue is important because you know whether people are listening or like, I care about chemistry or not, it's the fundamental of like how kids are taught. And we do have a system in our country that's really inequitable. Um, even in the public school system, because of resources and support, um, varies, you know, to city to city in across the country. Um, so I don't know if there's any more you would want to share about other areas or getting into this deeper of what we can fix in education and make it better. Yeah, I think we we really, I mean, I can only focus on my area of expertise, which is um, how people and in general learn chemistry. And when I uncovered that uh, chemistry, the confusion and the difficulty and the challenges in chemistry comes from the interpretation of the symbols. And I, I, I picked up my son's um, uh, piano book from when he was a little guy, like Mozart, Mouse, and Beethoven, Bear, and realized that he was playing piano when he was a little guy, like, you know, six, seven, um, and reading notes. And I thought, wait a minute, those look like molecules. And when I made that connection, I thought, wow, we really need to start early with chemical symbols, just like we do for reading, just like we do for music, just like we do for foreign languages. And I, I think with for the equity platform for that, the comic books are something that are being bound. They can be found in school libraries. Um, so eventually the resources will be available for free. Not They're not right now. But eventually, when we have enough um, 
the comic books in libraries if you know if schools will adopt them so a student could independently grab them off the shelf and teach himself or herself if he wanted to um, or the teachers could have a classroom set to use so it could just be a normal thing where mm -hmm. they get their chemistry unit in fourth grade where they're balancing chemical equations yeah and i think having this access like you said they could be free resources in the library where i like this um story of bringing these materials to the home during the pandemic and you're just like let the student you know go to it and and be engaged because you're also then fostering this love for learning and being an independent learner and not just saying this is what you have to do right now as an assignment but you're giving them space to kind of uh go and find it and find their passion in what they're reading and learning about and if we could do that and foster that more at a young age i think we would see students excel you know into middle and upper school and then you know into college so i think it's really important to have these types of resources for them i would love to see your program in elementary schools across the country Thank you. i think it's i think it's fabulous and you know i wish i learned chemistry in that <laughs> way and my mom she was a nurse and she you know is like parents kind of sometimes want to push you into like the career that they're in and she wanted me to go into nursing and i'm like i told her i was like i can't do chemistry I'm also not a fan of hospitals, but that's a profession where you need to have that foundation. Right. And I just did not feel strong in it. And if it was different, maybe I would have. You just never know. And so you I just, think that's yeah, important. that's the thing. Yeah, just that for, for students to have choices. That's all I'm asking. Is if, if they want to be a nurse, that that pathway is open to them and is not closed by one course. And that's where yeah. really where that civil right issue comes in is one required course is a blockade for millions of students nationally mm -hmm. to, to a choice. And it's, you know, you may not, you know, I didn't want to be a medical doctor because I don't like, ugh, I'm the same way about hospitals, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I had a choice. I could have gone to medical school if I wanted to, but I was like, oh, that's yeah. Don't, don't even get me started. But I think, um, yeah, I, I, I am very excited. And what, one thing I would for reform that we need to do is, I'd really like a softer, gentle approach so that the teachers and the parents refrain from saying, well, that's too hard. Mm -hmm. um, I, um, so if I could just call to your audience to, to be open to this and try it. <laughs> and um, really they're, they're fun, funny comics. They're, they're, you know, they're easily digestible. And I think the one reason the fourth graders are crushing it is because no one told them it was hard. And so the lore of chemistry just keeps propagating itself so that it's like worse than doing, you know, running a marathon, you know, it's yeah. got this lore to it that it's impossible. Yeah. And so the mindset for chemistry is horrible in this country. And mm -hmm. it's really, really challenging for me to be even begin reaching anybody because there's such an immediate aversion to the word itself. Mm -hmm. And that that is that is our our construct our psychological construct around it the the problem with that is again is it if if that's what's keeping you from going and pursuing your dreams we've got to change that first yeah. you know if you're not going to pursue your dreams because seven people told you you're going to fail organic chemistry when you haven't even tried it it's not right so mm -hmm. i i think we really need to reframe the word chemistry and, and what that means to us and, and how it can be beautiful and mysticism. And it's mm -hmm. not 
explosions and you know it's not all that and it's yeah. not for geniuses it's for everybody yeah I mean Jackie I'm a first generation college student I did have no support at all academically growing up and I went to a big public school and you know had to join the army to go to college so um I'm not coming from a place of of um privilege mm -hmm. and I just I think in that way we just need to be open and imaginative and try it. I really appreciate you sharing that about your background too, because I think like most people do have this framing of chemistry and, you know, I can think of other fields like calculus or whatnot. It's just like, that's so hard. And you must've had all these resources to help you. The reason you love chemistry is probably you had access to all of this. And you're like, no, I didn't. Like I, you know, it came something you came to and you, and you fell in love with, but could you imagine even back at that time that you had the program that you have when you were young and you know how you would have taken off with that? So um, we do have to reframe the way that we talk about certain subjects and it shouldn't be ever like, you know, deterring students from taking a subject that they might want to explore and saying, oh, that's just so difficult. This is gonna be so hard for you. When we talk to children like that, it's very much like this defeatist attitude. And then they they take that on to themselves and then they're insecure going into something they probably haven't even like tried yet. Same thing with like learning a language. Um, well, like we have Chinese at my school and it's actually probably one of the more popular languages, but everyone's like, Chinese is gonna be so hard. And it's like, and then there's kids who just gravitate, you know, towards it. And so we're launching um, a language program in our lower school. That makes sense to me. I wish I learned a language when I was in elementary school. My first time ever learning Spanish was, I think, like eighth grade. And, yeah, me too. You know, by, yeah, by that time, I'm like, this is really difficult. And like, I took four <laughs> years of it. I mean, it didn't really stick. But if I learned it from a young age, and I have a friend who works in um, in a language immersion school, so they speak both Spanish and English in the school. Mm -hmm. And her kids are probably going to be, yeah, they'll be bilingual. No problem. Um, wow. That's the way we need to talk about, you know, the subjects and like how we are teaching our kids and just trying things out, you know, just you're like, all right, let's go into this fourth grade class and just let's just see how they do. Like you don't have any, you know, kind of expectations. It's just like, let's just let's just try it out. And then they just took off. So that's amazing. Right. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Colleen, for being on the show today. And can you let our listeners know um, your contact information or where to find your website or anything else that I can plug in the show notes? Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, we're called Kids Chemical Solutions and our website is kidschemicalsolutions.com. And um, you can find everything you want to know about there, how to order the comic books. There's um, some summaries of some of the preliminary episodes. Um, a little bit of background about our research and there's some, some other news articles and things like that on our website. Thank you. Definitely check it out. Uh, when I first went to the website and was looking through the comics and just how you set up your characters, I'm like, this is really different, like really, really different <laughs> approach to chemistry. So definitely check out uh, the website. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you, Jackie. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to The Teacher's Story. If you like this story, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also follow this podcast on YouTube and subscribe and leave a comment. All reviews help this podcast keep going and elevating teacher voices. <music>